Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Josh Griffin. So for this week's dose of inspiration, we're chatting to Matthew McKay. And Matt is, well, he's behind Raw Shrek Tasmania. And I'm looking forward to chatting with Matt, finding out about that uh, and all the great stuff that he's done. And for those listening at home who have ever seen powerlifting, then um, you'll be really interested in this. But I'm actually super keen because I've, I've kind of seen bits here and there. And I'm keen to chat to Matt because I've heard that there's all these amazing health benefits mental and well-being benefits associated with it and uh, it'd be great to actually hear what it's all about before we introduce matt to uh, say hello just let everyone know he was the winner of the saint luke's health healthier communities award as part of the 2021 tasmanian young achiever awards and it was fantastic matt to uh, to see that result because i know you were finalist last year and i remember seeing you on the online event and uh remembering that sounded really cool and then a year later you won so matt a, welcome to the podcast, and B, congrats on uh, your recent win. Hi, Josh. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it, um, it felt kind of unreal to, to receive that award, um, especially after I think it was my fourth year sort of floating around. Um, but, yeah, absolute honour to receive it. That's awesome. Mate. And could you tell us, tell everyone listening, you know, what did you win the award for? A bunch of stuff, really. Um, so basically, Raw Strength Tasmania is my business. I started it about five and a half years ago. Um, at the time, I was working in the disability industry and I was myself interested in powerlifting as a sport. Now, there was, um, there was no avenue in Tasmania for disabled lifting. It just didn't exist, um, even though there's a, an Olympic, like it's an Olympic sport, but there was nowhere in Tasmania to do it. And there was certainly nowhere in Tasmania that was offering drug-tested sport. It was just, you know, you could do it, but it was was untested. So what we did was I went, well, I, I, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it to the highest standard possible, which is um, the Olympic standard. And I want to do it as fair and balanced as possible, which is you need to incorporate drug testing. And so I did that. I created a pathway for people who wanted to do the sport that otherwise felt unapproachable because of those reasons. Uh, you know, allowed an avenue for disabled people to come through and and begin training. And it took off pretty quickly to start, particularly with um, we, we had a very big uptake of, of women. So in Tasmania, there's a very, very big powerlifting following and there was yep. a very well-established network. Um, it was mostly men doing it. So, and I think when we brought in a slightly softer, softer approach, drug testing, you know, disabled friendly, things like that, it allowed a lot of a lot of women to feel, all right, this is something that I can get involved with as well. And it's been beneficial for everyone because now even other federations are getting a big boost of women as well because they realise it's not just really big guys that can do this sport, it's, it's everyone, which yep. has been great for Tasmania. Yeah, and I, I hinted at the top there that I'd heard a bit about it and seen a bit of intro. It was actually um, someone on my LinkedIn who you know, I follow from a professional standpoint, they started posting about powerlifting and this is, you know, a quite diminutive person, not a huge person. And I was like, how are they doing powerlifting? And then they had an article that was about, you know, the journey of their career increasing that went alongside powerlifting. And yeah, it just kind of opened my eyes that, okay, yeah, as you said, Matt, you don't have to be this, you know, when 
maybe some people who are unaware of it think about it. They think of this huge Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime looking kind of person. And it's not necessarily about that, is it? So can you tell us about your, I guess, entry into powerlifting, how you got interested and started in it in the first place? Well, you see, that's the, it's interesting you touched on that because that's what powerlifting used to be is it used to be all the really big guys, super, super strong humans. And that's what it still was in Tasmania. And there was starting to be a following of, well, actually your 50 kilo women can do this. Um, so the sport was in a transition period and we just, we got lucky. We came in at the right time and everyone down here has benefited from that, not just us, but other people yeah. too. So I, I got started in it coincidentally. So I, I hurt myself playing a game of soccer. I, I tore my knee apart um, and I needed a surgery. And as part of the prerequisites of surgery was to strengthen your muscles as much as possible to aid in recovery. And I loved it. I loved getting stronger. I loved the sensation of training in the gym and building my body into something different. Had so you I been that? Sorry. Invo- had you been involved with that previously, doing that kind of strength training? Not really. I did a little bit of strength and conditioning for soccer, but it was yep. very, very get in there with your friends, do some bicep curls because, you know, teenage girls <laughs> love guys with big muscles, you know, as I was 16. So, but sort of at, at 18, I had a critical injury and, you know, my sporting career was in my my opinion over. Yep. Um, so I started looking at different avenues. I'm like, I really enjoy this. What options do I have? And there was a federation down here that was running the sport, but I, I just personally, I don't like non-drug tested sport. Um, so I work in alcohol and drug rehabilitation as my profession. Yep. Just it, it's something that I'm passionate about. So I was like, well, I could do it here and be successful here, but what other options do I have? Um, so I reached out to the, the organization that was, that was running it. And they said, well, we've got, we've got an opening for someone in Tasmania. There's no one down there jump on board. And, you know, since then, We've run multiple events. Um, I run the entire Australian-wide uh, championships for children, so schools-aged stuff. We coordinate that from Tasmania. Um, we also run the Australian Masters division. So we run yep. – basically, I run everyone up to 18 and everyone 40-plus, more or less. There's different different ways to do that, but we run the big ones. And just, yeah, my gym sort of slowly started to pick up and more and more women were getting into it. And then we've got some young guys coming through and it just sort of snowballed. Wow. That's pretty incredible. And so, you know, you made that sound pretty easy. Like, oh, I reached out and uh, they put me on. <laughs> How did you, you know, get in contact with them in the first place? Look, I'm, I'm a big fan of you. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I've always sort of lived my life that way. So I literally just went, well, that's something I want to do let's ask like what what's the worst case scenario they say no we don't want you involved well i'm still where i'm gonna be just with the answer so it was literally that easy i went to a place down here that was a weightlifting academy so weightlifting is a different sport um and they were the closest thing that we had um to to really get involved with and i went there and then they gave me this contact for this guy so i emailed him anyone in the powerlifting world will know who he is his name is robert wilkes he is the uh, chief executive officer of powerlifting australia he's been around oh god he's got to be 140 by now he's been around <laughs> so i reached out to him and said hi i'm matt i'm in tassie what do i do there's lots of bad press about robert wilkes particularly in tasmania but i've had nothing but he's he's a sharp character but I've had nothing but good, good interactions with him. And what he did for me and my, my wife, um, we were both pursuing it. He gave us free entry to the Melbourne Fitness Show. 
So he sent us down. He said, you're not going to know what it is down there. Fly to Melbourne and come and watch an event. And I said, well, there's a big event coming up at the Melbourne Fitness Show. How much is it? He said, if you get here to the Melbourne Fitness Show, we'll let you in as competitor passes and you just wander around, you meet everyone, you get involved. So, I mean, we, yeah, okay, that's a great deal. Walked in, he introduced us to some of the, you know, highest level lifters in the world. Um, again, anyone who knows powerlifting, that year I believe there was Blaine Summers and um, uh, there was definitely uh, Ray Williams down here who's most successful powerlifter of all time. So we walked in and we just basically got this red carpet treatment of this is what it is and we fell yeah. in love. And from there he said, what you need to do is you need to invest this much money and do this and we did that and just boom, took off. And I know it sounds easy, but we also we picked the right time to do it. It was just as the sport was starting to get really popular and there was nobody else doing it. If we'd have waited another year, someone else would have taken the shot. And if we'd have started a year earlier, it probably wasn't popular enough to justify mm. it. Plus, the, with my my entry into, I was already working in the disability field, it gave me that extra, extra avenue of, well, how about we look at some of these disabled people that can't go play soccer. We don't have a great sporting network in Tasmania for the disadvantaged. They can all bench press, so let's bench press. And, again, it just kept sort of going. And... I think, you know, without knowing the ins and outs, but you can tell me if I'm right or wrong here, to have such an inclusive approach from the start is probably unusual for something that was a growing sport and became, you know, newly official through you. I think what seems to happen is it starts off with the high level and then later it brings in the grassroots and the people who potentially have a disability or, or something else. We've had that issue ongoing for a little bit down here not with powerlifting, but with other sports. Yeah. Um, I've got to be honest, powerlifting down here, everyone's pretty good. But there's everyone looks up to the elite level lifters and stuff as to be like, they're the sport, but it's actually the other way around. It's your grassroots that give you everything because that's where, that's where your champions come from is the guy that, you know, you see that has a bit of talent that might not have any money, you know, but, you know, you want him to, to do the sport because he's got some talent. So, and grassroots tends to pay for, the elite lifters. Yeah. So there's there's not enough really good people in the world to run a full gym. Like it's just not going to happen. You you have to have what I refer to as your everyday athletes, your people that are pursuing it because they have passion for it, but might not be as strong as someone else. That's always been my mentality because that's how soccer is so dominant. The reason it's so popular is or so powerful is it's got so many grassroots people playing Division Four and Division Five on a weekend that their money and their support goes up the chain to boost the sport overall. So we built it from grassroots up. And I think having that approach of let's look at the little guy first sort of got us got us that leg above the rest of the competition. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. And I know exactly what you're talking about with soccer. You know, I've heard that heaps. I'm a big football fan, soccer roos fan. And so you hear all the time that uh, the exorbitant fees that are, at the lower levels, but it pays for, you know, as you said, the pros. But uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, with some of these people with disability and, and elderly and disadvantaged, what are some of the great stories that you've you've seen come out of it? we got some great stories down here. So there's, there's a couple that stand out. Probably the most impressive from the outside looking in would be a guy down here called Philip Menzies. Um, he's been around for a very long time, back before powerlifting was popular. But Phil... Um, 
Phil lost his, his vision. He's fully blind. He lost his vision when he was six years old. Um, so to the point where he actually doesn't have eyes. He's got glass eyes. Really? And he reached out to me almost as I started. He was like, I've been injured for a while, but look at this powerlifting's back. I used to have to travel to Melbourne to do it. You know, let's, let's do it. Um, and since then he's, you know, for the last five years, he's been training with us and not only does he, he wins stuff, he wins a lot of stuff and against people that are fully visioned and whatever. I imagine it's, it's impossible to know just how difficult it is for him. Cause you have to try and learn everything differently. And mm. uh, from a coaching point of view, there's not a lot of people that could coach him cause you've got to coach different. So one of the things we're, we're dealing with at the moment is he's actually got a muscular imbalance in his hips and his muscular imbalance comes from, he has a guide dog. So he walks favoring his guide dog. Uh, of course he does. Yeah. But how do you correct that? And then you've got to show him how to do the technique of something, but how do you show a blind person what you mean? Hmm. So he actually, I get in the position I want to be in. And then he, you know how you see in movies and stuff, how a blind person touches your face to see what you look like. Yep. Basically that just very intimately um, <laughs> to, to learn the position. And I mean, yep. he's exceptional. He's looking at taking the, the squat record this year and that's, not the blind squat record. That's the squat record. Like wow. it's, he's, yeah. So he, he definitely stands out. There's too many to mention from the, the mental health side of things. And this is uh, primarily a, a, I'm going to stereotype a little bit here. I get a lot of sort of 40 to 50 year old women who, I mean, if 30 years ago, if you were, if you were a female and you wanted to play sport, you had, three options, you know, you want to play hockey, do you want to play soccer or do you, you know, like you didn't have a lot to do and they were all team-based sports and they were all sort of running based. And suddenly there's this new sport that's got, you can train whenever you want. It makes you feel empowered because you're like, yeah, look, I'm strong. And then, you know, I feel my body getting stronger and you're part of a team, but you're also kind of an individual. So we've had lots of um, anxiety disorders and stuff of people come through and use it as a, confidence building exercise and a lot of those people i could think of five or six off the top of my head right now have gone on to become champions in it you know yep. international champions just because they were what's something i can do that makes me feel good about myself and then just all of a sudden it's five years later and they're lifting at the oceania championships or you know they're at the australian nationals and they're fighting for a place it's yep. very cool to see and uh i guess that's too, i hadn't thought of that team you're right, they're easier sports to get into. You know, a lot of time people think is, all right, I've got to go join my netball team, a basketball team, whatever. But when it's not a team thing, you're actually then you can almost win every time, can't you, mentally, because you're challenging yourself. You're like, if I approach this the right way, I can I can still achieve great results. I don't have to rely on other people. I can do this myself. Well, you see, one of the reasons I love I love powerlifting, in particular I love the bench press. That's That's my specialty area, but... I love powerlifting. And the reason I love it is it's academic. You either can or you cannot. There's no luck. There's no the wind went the wrong way. There's no the other team got lucky or the ball bounced funny. Bodybuilding, for example, like the one judge could be seeing you from a different bit of light. Powerlifting is you either can or cannot pick up this weight. That's it. Like there's no, there's no one to blame. I mean, obviously there's always going to be luck involved and human error and stuff like that. But all that it is when it comes to a competition in powerlifting is how hard have I worked? How well have I trained? 
for this moment. That's it. And I think a lot of people like that, particularly people that are a little bit inclined to um, anxiety and depression and stuff like that because it's it's structured. There's no chaos. It's, it's this is how it is. And even if you get a bad result, there's no external forces to blame for that. It's literally like, oh, I'll be better next time. Yeah. I think it calms people to know that when I go to the gym, 25 kilos is always 25 kilos. And certainly it's that way for me. I love it. Like it just, it's cathartic to me. What's, um, without knowing, can you tell me what, what's the community like in terms of, is it supportive? Is it something that's you know, extremely competitive or? Well, look, the, the great thing about powerlifting is it's kind of both. There's teams, but it's an individual sport. So when you're there, and I think that's one of the great things, individual clubs have different different um, cultures. I mean, you're always going to get that same as a soccer team. I, I have, am I allowed to swear? I'm not allowed to swear on the podcast, I'm assuming. Or I, I it's have more a of a no swears situation. I, <laughs> I have a clause in my, my gym contract that let's call it no silly people clause. Yeah. Um, which is basically if you aren't supportive and you're chasing people off equipment or you're being unfriendly, you're not allowed to train at my gym. Like you, you, when you walk in, you say hello to everyone. Like it's a, it's a team environment, but you're there to do your own individual thing. So it's kind of both. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah and at yeah. events, like you'll get guys <laughs> that have just squatted 300 kilos backstage cheering for someone who's gone out there for their first event that's, that's squatting 60 kilos. They're in the same weight class and one guy's just smashed him, but he's like, it's me versus me. Yeah. That's, that's the great thing about it is it can, it can inspire community and friendliness within the backstage group because it's actually not me versus the other person in my, my division because if they beat me, they're stronger than me. That's all it is. It's not they got lucky or it's not a fight. It's, oh, okay, I'll need to train more and get stronger. So mm-hmm. there's is not as much competition as it is friendly competition. Yeah. No, I love that. Actually, I actually think people should bring that ethos, that thinking into their team sports or their other sports events. That's such a good way to look at it. Instead of saying, oh, I can't believe that other team did this. Oh, okay, well, obviously they were better than us that day. We need to be better. That's a better. That's, yeah, and I, I mean – as someone who played a lot of team sports, I will say it's very, very frustrating when you know, when you black and white know that you played the better game, but the wind caught the ball or it bounced into a divot or something and the other team got lucky and you lose because of that. It is mm. mighty frustrating. Now, things like that might happen in powerlifting. It might be. So I've had an incident, for example, where the spotters, so the guys that load the weights onto the, plate, the bar, loaded the bar unevenly. So, so someone made a mistake. Mistakes happen, you know, and that sucks. Like I, I missed that lift because it was too heavy on one side, but they are really few and far between. Yeah. So it's more or less it's if I've trained well and I have a good day, I will win. And if I haven't, well, then I'll have a better day next time. There is just no luck. And it's, yeah, I think it calms anxious people down to know that. You know what you're walking into, the the – the situation's always the same when you're at the gym. It's never any different. It's not, not a different field. Uh, you know, it's not slightly on an angle. The wind's not blowing a different direction. It's not going to rain. It's the same. It's like watching your favourite sitcom over and over and over because it's comforting, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you touched on something earlier that I wanted to uh, to revisit. Just didn't want to miss out, so I've written some notes on it. You mentioned, uh, you know, you had 
I guess, a, a personal interest or passion about um, drug-free competition being from your background in alcohol and drugs. And then secondly, that you had testers at your event, you want to do it right, Olympic kind of uh, levels. So can you touch on, you know, your background in, a, in that field in alcohol and, and drugs and kind of how that's impacted you as well? Okay, so there's a there's very loaded question. There's a couple of things to touch on there. Um, part of raw strength was uh, I wanted to create a place that was inclusive for everyone, and I think the only way to do that is to make it as fair as possible. Now, I believe the only way to make it fair is to not allow drugs in sport, simply because you're then asking someone to go, well, I could be stronger if I did drugs, but there may be side effects of that. Yeah. Right? So if you just get rid of drugs, someone doesn't have to go, do I want to be stronger with side effects? It just becomes you versus whatever. Now, you can never make something fully fair, like someone with more money can get better coaching or um, better supplements, like better protein powder or um, genetically, you know, but I think that is the only way to make it super fair. And we started Raw Strength a little bit to be inclusive because my, my mother wanted to, to do some stuff with me, but she felt she was too fat to go to the gym. And like that logic didn't make sense to me. So we created a gym without mirrors and stuff where, you know, people felt inclusive. You can't do that if you're going to allow people to take what I foresee as an unfair advantage. Yep. Um, so that's how it came about. Now, my background with drug and rehabilitation I grew up around a lot of that stuff. I grew up in pretty, pretty poor, rough neighborhoods, you know, single mom, housing commission. I'd seen what illicit drugs can do. And mm. it's not much fun to, to be around that. Obviously, illicit drugs and performance enhancing drugs have a significantly different cultural impact. However, they're still illegal and I still don't want them involved in my facility. So we went, what we're going to do is we're going to make it clear that that's not okay with us. If you want to do those things, that's fine. I'm not going to stop you, but you're not going to do it in my facility. You can go yep. somewhere else and do that. Um, I'm not going to, you know, go like dob you into the police or anything if you, you're doing that. That's between you and what you're doing in your own morals. You go do that, but you won't be around my people. I want it to be inclusive. So we flew Asada in. I called Asada up and said, hey, I'm running my first ever competition in Hobart. There's a pretty big drug culture at the moment in Hobart and sport because there's been no testing can't blame people. I mean, if you're not going to get caught, why wouldn't you? So I said, I want to make a, it very, very clear that we're serious. You know, yep. Can you come down? Can you show up, show your face, and can you test some people? And credit to them, they did. They took that seriously and they showed up and they tested six people at our first event. No one tested positive. One of the great things about powerlifting within Australia is powerlifting is a very unique sport in the sense that there's two roads to success. There's drug tested. So no, no steroids, no performance enhancing drugs. And then there's untested. And both of those are completely legitimate. Both have world championships and away you go. So if you get caught in Australia using drugs in an untested division, it's not like other countries or other sports where people go, oh, they just got caught. Yeah. The community itself hates you for it because there's no excuse. You've got to, it, it becomes absolutely cheating because yeah. you can, you can do that elsewhere. So we didn't get anyone test positive at that event. And we haven't in Tassie to date had anyone test positive for drug use, you know, fingers crossed. And I'm very proud of the community for that. But it was part of us making people realise that, no, this is this is serious. We want to do this properly. So if you're going to do it, let's make it fair. 
good on you for uh, taking that approach. And uh, yeah, very impressive that you got Asada there. As you said, it was somewhere something you know Tassie didn't have that culture of having testing. And uh, yeah, kudos to you to a for starting this and b for doing it so legitimately. It's it's incredible. Thank you. It took a lot of work, a lot of money. <laughs> oh yeah, really? So uh, so what's involved? You have to literally get them here and uh, I guess fly them over, pay for their accommodation, all that stuff. Well, so drug testing is covered in part of our membership. So I, I run my competitions under a national organization. So I'm an executive for that national organization now. Um, so I'm one of the eight of the boards of management or whatever. So yep. worked to get there. Um, even though I'm getting old, I'm the youth's manager. Get that. Um, so they pay for that. And that comes out of the, the membership that people pay yearly. So a lot of people are like, it's cheaper to do untested powerlifting. It just is. So that's why a lot of people that might not be using using performance enhancing drugs will go there because it's cheaper. Yeah. But I'm happy to pay a little bit higher premium to to you know at least try and keep it as balanced as possible because um, testing is about five thousand dollars a test. It's pretty it's pretty exy. As far as where the cost comes in for us, powerlifting equipment is very very expensive because it needs to be very, very high tensile steel. Um, it needs to be calibrated. So it weighs exactly what it's meant to weigh and it didn't exist in Tassie. So yep. I don't know if you know this, but getting stuff from the mainland to Tasmania gets quite expensive at times, particularly when it's heavy. So it was just a lot of money in setup fees and, and ongoing, but you know, it obviously very, very happy. I, I took that jump because it's clearly been recognized the work's been recognised and people are benefiting from it. I mean, down here, we took 12 people to the Oceania Championships recently and we came back with records upon records and wins and just it was incredible to see just this tiny little tiny little club down here of like 36, 40 people or whatever we've got take it to the world and do pretty damn well. That is very impressive from 12 people from, uh, from Tassie over there competing in Oceania. It's awesome. Yeah, well, hopefully we get to – well, it depends what the world does. Obviously, you guys are in lockdown. Um, if the world opens up again, um, we're hoping to take that same team to the World Championships and just see what we can do. But we've got – so we've got Joanne. She's a, a multiple-time world record holder now. Um, we've got a couple of young guys coming through that are just really onto something big. Tazzy back in the early 2000s had some of the best powerlifters in the world um, and still does from time to time turn out some really incredible stuff. I think it's something to do with the climate. Like you yeah. can't, well, it's cold in winter. I mean, it's rainy, it's wet. Why not be inside? Um, and, yeah, it's turned out some genuinely incredible people over the years. Speaking of comps, uh, I understand that you ran the only – powerlifting competition in Tasmania. Is that right? I believe so. Very, very hard to find any information of anything before about the year 2000. Like, so yeah. at least in the last 20 years, you know. So yeah. we had a, a wounded veteran who was training for the Invictus Games. So the Invictus Games is obviously soldiers and, you know, other military personnel, service personnel that have been injured in the line of battle to, to come and, and test their strength and stuff. So he was training up for that. So we flew in at Powerlifting Australia's dollar, um, which again, thank, thanks to them because they do look out look out for us pretty good. We flew in the uh, national coach and referee for powerlifting. So he was yep. the person behind our Commonwealth Australia team. 
So we flew him to Tassie for our event to ref that one person to do their thing before the Invictus Games. We do have a few people in the pipeline that are looking at doing powerlifting again. Um, A lot of those were with Invictus, but a lot of that's died off since COVID because there's nothing to build towards. Um, but yeah, so as far as, as far as we know, it's the only time it's been done and it was really popular actually. I hope we get more people. Yeah, that's cool. Must be, um, yeah, frustrating not being able to, as you said, have those extra competitions, those extra levels to, to aim for. Um, when is the, the national, you said it was, um, international was the, the global one? Yeah. So we've got nationals in August meant to be in St. Kilda. We'll see how that goes because obviously you guys are locked down now, but it's far enough away. We'll see. Um, we're meant to be going to the Oceania, so the you know New Zealand, Australia, the islands, and all that yep. competition in New Zealand in November. At this stage, that's looking pretty stable, but as we all know, you get one or two cases of COVID and everything upturns. And the current theory is Worlds 2022 in America. So Las Vegas, America, 2022 Worlds, get everyone there and do a big welcome back. Yep. But who knows? Like that could, I mean, we don't we don't know what's happening next week really. <laughs> We're planning for that, but yep. all that has to happen is a couple of cases and the borders shut again and we're stuck. Yes, well, fingers crossed that uh, for everyone's sake that we can get things under control, we'll get vaccines and, and we'll all be travelling a bit more again. But um, I did want to ask you as well, you mentioned uh, off air before we were recording uh, about your daughter and um, said your wife does lifting with you as well. How do, how do you fit, you know, I guess, your own powerlifting with your business, with your family? How, how do you fit everything in? Well, I'm very lucky. The My, my partner at the moment, um, she's as high a level lifter as I am. So we train together. We travel together. It makes it pretty pretty easy to to keep your life under control when the interests align. Um, thankfully, because we built the community of the gym based around inclusiveness, my daughter can come to work with me. So she's five, or she's not five yet. She's five in August. She's almost five. Almost. Um, so if I need to go into the gym, she'll just come along with me and she chalks up her hands and she pretends to lift stuff and she plays with everyone and she, she absolutely loves it. Obviously, you can't do that all the time because there is inherent risk with having someone running around, but she's grown up around that environment that not only does she enjoy it, but everyone knows who she is and you're that little bit more careful with, with her there. But business in its own is challenging, let alone you add business and high level sport. It's very, very hard to have a life outside of that, which I think a lot of people don't understand is that it is my life. That's all I do is my gym, my training, and that's pretty much it. But at the same time, I love it. Like yep. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, you, we touched on the mental health benefits as well, but do you find that that's a, an ongoing thing or, you know, that you're constantly, it's you know, having that positive energy from from lifting and and that being part of your work as well well look lifting depression is a horrible disease and it's particularly cruel because what it does is is everything that makes it less likely to happen or makes it better it takes from you 
So we, we know things that make depression better, eating better, uh, socializing more with, with people that are good for you, exercise. When you start to get depressed, you don't want to exercise, you pull yourself away from your friends and you eat, like, yep. you eat, you eat bad food. One of the things that we do and one of the reasons that I'm always at work is I'm always reachable by my clients and there's been times where I have had clients call me up, you know, critically suicidal and things like that because I'm always available to, to be yeah. reached by them. So if I haven't seen someone for about two weeks, I reach out to them. I go, hey, how about you come in for a free session on me and we catch up and we talk to them. We get them back in the gym and we try and break that, that snowball cycle that depression does, snap it off and go start training again. And often that's enough to get it, to get it working. But the, the benefits of powerlifting outreach uh, outweigh just the um, just that depression for exercise thing. What we've built is, this is going to sound really corny, but we've built like a second home for people, a place where they can come and be comfortable outside of their home and outside of their friendship group and be themselves and be supported for that and celebrated for that. And so we often get people that will come in on a weekend and not do any training, but just come in to see everyone and just be like, oh, no, I trained yesterday, but I, you know, I was feeling a bit down, so I wanted to be around people. And I think that sort of – the reason RSL clubs exist, more or less, is that social element of people that are there for you and I can be myself. Yeah. So I, I think that's one of Powerlifting's greatest draw cards is the community that it builds. Yeah, it's brilliant, Matt. And you're absolutely spot on. People want to just be valued and – and, and know that they can be themselves exactly as you said. And I think uh, what, everything you're describing is just a, sounds like such a wonderful community you've built there. So that's it's really cool. Now, we've spoken about lockdown a few times. Obviously, you over there in, in Tassie went through your own last year. Were you able to keep your gym operating or did you have to kind of cease that because you were all at home? Or um, what happened last year, lockdown? Yeah, you see, that's... um coincidentally very very lucky lockdown happened when it did so i had six hours notice before i had to shut my doors at at the gym so they made that announcement on the sunday evening i woke up to 100 messages on my phone literally it was 99 plus messages um and it said by 12 o'clock today monday that i think it was the 29th of march cease trading so i'm like oh panic i i had to go to work at the the hospital that day because i work at a hospital i'm like oh what do i do but I was actually out of contract at the place that I was in. So I didn't have any rent that I had to pay. I just broke contract. What I said was I sent a message to all the people in my, we've got a little Facebook group that keeps everyone yep. in touch. And I said, lockdown's happening. Come and collect whatever you want. Pick it up, take it home. If you can take it, if you can physically get a hold of it, pick it up, take it to your house. I'm not going to charge you for that. But what I do ask is that you continue to pay your gym membership fee while you have any of our equipment and people were there minutes later picking stuff up, taking it home. So they effectively, I didn't have to pay for a storage fee. I canceled my, my gym contract there and shut it down entirely. Um, And people were able to continue training at home. So that's what kept us afloat was leasing out our equipment more or less. That's very uh, quick, quick thinking in your behalf. Oh, it, it, I mean, it was just a snap decision like, well, people are going to want to keep training. I don't want to pay to store my equipment. Just take it. Just get it gone. 
and yeah, that that happened really quickly, which was was wonderful. Um, so when we came back from lockdown, though, was actually where we noticed all the problems. So we we moved to a new gym and everything, but lockdown damaged and broke a lot of people. I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but there was any underlying mental health conditions that people had before lockdown were exacerbated massively by the social isolation and the, the the term that I use is the constant looming dread of no control. Mm-hmm. You had no control over your life or, or whatever you were doing. Everything was at any minute you can be told stay inside, you can't go anywhere. And Matt, we uh, yeah, we definitely noticed that just even through the nominations in this year's Young Achiever Awards, the underlying current uh, between you know a lot of the nominations against different fields, health fields, business fields, sport, whatever it was, there was an underlying theme of that. Um, you're absolutely spot on. Yeah, the, the looming dread is what I what I said. So, unfortunately, after lockdown, we had um we had a lot of behavioural stuff from longstanding clients and and new clients coming through that were just it, it damaged our business and it damaged a lot of people to the point that we almost had to start fresh again, mm. um, which is sad. But also, I think it was really important for a lot of people to realise that you know, sometimes the world does things that you don't want it to do and it's about how you adapt to that that's important. So we came out of lockdown and that's where we found our troubling point. Um, But we've built back up since then. So we started coming back. Yeah, coronavirus I think was good for a lot of ways because a lot of people realised how important exercise was. It wasn't until they weren't allowed to do it that they realised, actually, you know what, I like my hours exercise a week. So it's good interest coming back. The hard part from a gym is that, a lot of people bought equipment to train with at home. So now there's not as many gym goers. The good part of running powerlifting is a lot of people bought gym equipment to train from home and now they want to test their new strength. So mm. it's a mixed bag of results for us, coronavirus. Um, and I guess we'll just, we'll see what happens. If we get another lockdown down in Tassie, which I don't think we will, it'll be about how you, how people come out of it that's important yep. the lockdown itself. Yeah, very true. Interesting, yeah, points you made there about people uh, working, sorry, working out from home and buying equipment. And as you said before, though, you can't replace that community kind of feel when you're not part of a community, if that makes sense. That was one of the the big problems we had was people came out of lockdown just as strong, but it's almost like they'd forgotten how to socialise. They'd forgotten that actually this is not your home. You You can't do these things that you used to do there and there was a lot of tension and it, it just, it wasn't a very friendly place for a little while. Um, and that wasn't just with us. That was across the board kind of everywhere, which is, is just a very interesting look at human behavior that I think. Totally. I, I haven't heard stories about this in Australian sports, but um, over in America in the NBA, I'm a big basketball fan myself. They're just returning now to bigger crowds for their playoffs. And there's been numerous in different cities, just disgusting fan behavior, spitting on player, throwing yeah. food, drink. And so, it's like, have they forgotten how to come and respect people? Pretty much. We've got our first big event coming up or oh, in like two and a half weeks. We've got 650 people or something we're allowed to have. It's going to be fantastic. It's the first one in like 19, 18 months, something like that. But we had a, a lady at the gym recently this week talking about she was at a local football game. She coaches football and there was a guy in the crowd that was slandering and slurring teenage girls, not just horrible stuff. And they sent yeah. off crying and like people have forgotten 
whether or not they've forgotten or I think from my point of view, from what I saw, people became isolated and they were only surrounded by the people closest to them. And I don't do this myself, but I know a lot of people who the people closest to you often tell you what you want to hear, not what's right or what necessarily is good for you. So a lot of people have come out of lockdown thinking that what they're doing is okay because it's been three, six, nine months, however long of reinforced, do what you want, we don't really care. And suddenly they're back in the real world or they're back at the office or whatever. And it's actually, you, you can't do that. That's mm. not okay. So I think it'll tidy back up and those people will will pull their head in as, as people would say, but I think it's still going to get worse before it gets better. Yes. Well, hopefully it is a short-term thing. And uh, yeah, that event that you're talking about, it sounds really exciting. That must be just something, you know, so many people are looking forward to. Well, we're running it. So we work out of a, a CrossFit gym as well, CrossFit Resonate in, in Muna, uh, Tasmania. And they're running a big event. We're running a big event. We're going to get a food truck. We're going to, you know, open the doors up and just be like, let's celebrate the fact that we did it. We got through it. We're all still together. Come and support and throw your, throw your weight behind these guys as they do their thing. And we, we ran lots of events last year through lockdown, um, but it was all via camera and no crowd and it's yeah. just a it's just a different sensation so i think it will remind people particularly the higher level competitors it will remind people just why we do it that joy of lifting and doing something that you love in front of in front of people to show them you know look at what i can do is something that you can't really match anywhere else speaking of in front of a camera no crowd versus being at an actual event i mean you can probably comment better than most about being part of last year's online awards presentation. And then this year being a crowd of, remembering the numbers, it was like 350, I think. Um, it, was, it was pretty full. Yeah, at rest point there. Can you give us a quick, you know, what were your memories of last year's online event and how was the event being there in person? Uh, much different. Let's just <laughs> go with it. It was much different. So I thought it was, I'm very, very glad that I got re-nominated this year and obviously super thankful I won. But it was kind of hilarious that I'm like, this is the year that I'm a finalist and I've got this chance to do all this stuff and meet all these people that can, you know, I, you know networks that I'm never going to meet again and I'm sitting on my couch in my pyjamas and a nice suit jacket. Like just, <laughs> it just, it didn't feel, yeah, I had pyjama pants on. Classic Zoom attire. Love it. Um, and a pair of slippers. It was great. Um, so it just didn't feel, it didn't feel properly. Like it did, just didn't feel right. But this year, like, you could shake hands with, well, elbow bump people. You could meet people and build this network. That you, I'm not going to meet those people again in any other circle. And they're people that you run your ideas behind, like the neighbourhood centre stuff we're doing. They go, great, I know such and such. Yeah. And the online event, it just, people logged out as soon as it was over and there was just no follow-up to it all. And it was much, much better. And being able to be around people, I mean, we're social creatures. It, yeah. You need you need that social interaction. And, yeah, the, the event was fantastic. It was great fun. This is more of a – other people won't get this one, but uh, just for, for while I'm looking at you, looking at your face and looking at your photo at the same time from the awards night, you were clean-shaven and now you're growing what can only be described as a Wolverine beard. It's pretty close to a Wolverine beard, yeah. It's very so, excellent. What's yeah. going on? You, you should have seen me when I had my mohawk. 
there's this stigma with powerlifting. You'll also see I'm covered in tattoos and I'm a, not to toot my own horn, I'm a fairly muscly young man. It's part of the sport. So there's a certain level of um, presentation that you want to you wanna give out. And at an event like that, I guess I'm still a little bit old school where cleanly shaven, nice attire, you know, look your best. But I like, I don't like shaving. Shaving's complicated. It's irritating. And Tasmania's cold, so shaving gets mm. quite cold. Um, I also grow my beard in about 13 hours. So <laughs> I have to do it every single day or twice a day. So for me, I'd much rather have some sort of silly beard on my face, some handlebar mustache, mutton chops or something. Um, for competition at the Oceanias, I had a monkey tail. I don't know if you know what that is, but that's a, it looks like a monkey tail. It goes around under the mustache and up one side of the face. And I had a blonde mohawk straight down the middle. As my brother would say, that's a strong look. Very strong. It it was actually surprisingly popular, believe it or not, with some people, other people, not (laughs) so much. Um, But look, I'm, I'm a big believer in, same as I, I dress in clothes that I'm comfortable in. I'm, I'm a big believer of, judge me by the merit of my actions rather than the presentation that you see at a distance. I, I'm a big believer in that. So I find that I get I get good results from people if I actually look like that. I get better results. I learn the character of a person a little bit better if they're, they're not judging me based off that. They're going, okay, well, this is what this guy does instead of look at him, cleanly shaven, dressed up in a suit. It's just my approach to business. Yep. No, that's great. I love the Wolverine beard. It's fantastic. Um, as you can see, I'm a beard fan myself. And you're right. It's just it's easier not to shave. Shaving. I wish, wish my girlfriend liked it as much as you do. She's um, <laughs> very unimpressed. But that just kind of makes it all the more enjoyable. It means the love is very strong then. She's to yeah, around despite the facial I'll wake hair. Up, I'll wake up one night and she'll be shaving me in my sleep. <laughs> Matt, it's absolutely been a fantastic chatting to you. If this chat has uh, you know piqued the interest of people about powerlifting, can you give up? I'm putting you in the spot here. What's a, a couple of steps someone could take if they're interested in learning more? Oh, look, the, I, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say find a coach, find a gym, find a coach, support local. You know, don't train at a commercial gym, don't train at home, don't do it off your free YouTube videos. Go and meet someone, support them, and build build the community because it's it's better that way. Um, but the easiest step is you go onto the webpage, Powerlifting Australia, www.powerliftingaustralia.com. And you go to a thing there that's called find a club and that will pinpoint your location. You type in where you live and it will give you an accurate distance to your local club. And it yep. will put you, whether it's 20 kilometers or 2000 kilometers, depending on where you live. And that'll put you in touch with someone. And then from there, go onto their Instagram or their Facebook and have a look at what sort of community they look like they're presenting. Normally the, the socials are pretty good at describing what you're walking into, find who you like the look of and go from there. Good tips. I like that, uh, you know, using the socials to kind of see what the vibe is. That's a, yeah, I think that's a good tip. People do that. I think, you know, with their cafe or whatever, or they mm. want to go to a restaurant, but that's actually really good. I like that in terms of um, the community, you can get a feel, can't you? Well, a lot of people judge, uh, socials can also be misleading with that because a lot of people will get a coach based off that coach's athletic performance. This guy's stronger than me, therefore he knows. I think you need a little bit of both. You need someone who presents the community that you want, is you know relatively successful at the sport, but it should come down to, 
are they good at teaching? So the social should be half of it. The rest of it should be look at reviews, look at yep. the athletes they're putting out. You know, if you go, I want to pursue powerlifting, not just for the health benefits of which there are numerous, particularly for, for aging people, but I want to pursue it as my sport. Well, instead of looking at a coach that might deadlift 400 kilos, see what the coach's athletes are doing. Are they any good? And if they are, well, then bang, he's probably pretty good at his job. Yep. Now, it sounds like it's a bit out of uh, order here because I've asked you all the questions. We're wrapping up, but you've said something very interesting. What are the, some of the benefits for the aging population? I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I just touched on that there. Yeah. Um, lots. Um, so powerlifting or big compound lifting, so multiple muscles, multiple joints used to move weight, everything from bone density to um, reversal of diabetes, um, general health and fitness, mental health stuff. Like the list is quite numerous and you can find a lot of information on that online. There's several podcasts on it dedicated specifically to it, but you literally, I mean, you can only trust about what 25% of what you read on Google, I reckon. But if you Google uh, benefits of strength training for an aging populace, that'll give you a pretty good idea as to, to why it's good for you. Yeah. The reason I promote it as a style of fitness, not only because I enjoy it, but it's because unlike having to train for soccer, which is two hours on a Tuesday, Thursday night after school, I can do 45 minutes on a Monday before I go to work. And I can do a quick session at lunchtime on a Tuesday and I can go after work on a Friday, whatever I want. I pick the times that suit me. Because, I mean, it's a building. You walk in the building and everything's there. It's not reliant on anyone but you and your time. So as far as health goes, it's bang for buck. Fitting with people's work, life, balance, kind of. Yeah, and like you can show up and do five sets of five deadlifts at a good percentage, and that's enough. And that's what, 30 minutes if that. So you can get really solid results in a short period of time in low impact so there's not a lot of pain involved i mean it can be if you do it as hard as we do it but like it's it's short it's easy to learn in the sense of how to be safe to do it um it's not like soccer which is 10 years of of practicing and drilling and is non-reliant on other people so i yeah i absolutely promote it as a really good way to get strong and you know for beginners or or aged people as we're talking about i'm guessing it's fairly low weights to to start off with it all comes down to, so effort, effort versus results. So you're only ever going to be as healthy, fit or strong as the effort in which you put in, right? So the great thing is as long as you're putting in moderate effort, you're going to get stronger. Like, so something like deadlifts is you can be lifting weight that is comfortable enough for you to be like, this isn't too bad to learn to do it safely and you'll still get stronger. Like you're always going to get stronger as long as you're not, you know, slacking off, as long as you're doing moderately difficult stuff. You don't have to train. You don't have to go and do hill sprints for three hours to get more cardiovascularly fit. You'll always get stronger. So there's a powerlifting program that's free online called 531 Forever. It never changes. Exactly the same thing over and over and over and over. And you always get stronger. Hmm. It's just a little bit slower if you train a little bit softer. Yeah. That's fantastic. And uh, so we talked about people can get some more information. You've given us those great tips. What about for raw strength? Anyone locally in Tassie who uh, wants to get in touch? Literally just jump on our socials, give me a call, whatever whatever you want to do. Um, so we've got Facebook and Instagram. Both of them are Raw Strength Tasmania or our website, rawstrengthtas.com.au. 
Um, there's contact us buttons there. You send us a message. Your first session with us is always free. So I always tell people that come in, have a look at the gym and do a training session. You will know after one session whether or not you like us. You either will or you won't. And if you don't, I don't want you to sign up online and then have to be like, oh, I signed up. I better hang around. I don't want that. I want you to want to sign up. Yep. So, yeah, just come in and see us. Brilliant. Well, that's fantastic. Thanks for chatting with me, giving me some of your time. I know you've got a busy schedule. And uh, thanks for teaching me a bit about powerlifting. No, look, absolutely wonderful pleasure. I'm very happy I got to do it. Thanks, Matt. Catch you later, mate. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview. If you liked it or any of our other episodes, it would be great if you can rate and review the Inspirational Australians podcast. It really helps us out. If someone you know needs a little dose of inspiration, why not let them know about this podcast? And if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. You can always head to our website at awardsaustralia.com slash podcast for more information and details on each guest. Now, before we go, I'd like to thank Annette, our producer. Here's a fun fact. Annette is my mum and our other host, Jeff, is my dad. This podcast is brought to you by Awards Australia, a family-owned business that proudly uncovers the stories of people who make a difference for others. We can only do this with the support of our corporate and not-for-profit partners as they make our awards programs possible. So do you know someone making a difference? If you'd like to recommend someone to be a guest on the podcast, get in touch through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians. Or maybe your business might like to sponsor the podcast or get involved with the awards we run. Head to our website, awardsaustralia.com for more details. Until next week, stay safe. And remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.